I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. It's Disco Donnie. You listen to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh, and fuck Rebel Radio. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, we sit down with Disco Donnie. Donnie is a legendary rave promoter from New Orleans. He's been at the top of the game for 20 plus years, um, and he's paid a serious price uh, personally for his dedication to, to dance music and, and to raves. I don't want to spoil it with you for you, but we talk a little bit about that in our interview. Um, and this dude continues to push the boundaries. He recently bought back his company that he had previously sold and he's charging ahead. Um, he's really some, some great lessons about, you know, having a vision, listening to your audience, but, um, but being laser focused on what it is you do. Some great stuff we can all learn from, I'm sure, in this age of distraction and indecision. Uh, so let's get into it. Dude, I'm glad we I'm glad we finally got to connect. I know I've been, uh, you know, I've been talking to Susie for a while, and then I know you're friends with Simon. Yeah. And uh, you did the the summit with us and all that. So excited to finally talk. And then of course, yeah, I mean, that was that was good. I learned some stuff over there. Did you? Yeah, I mean, you know, they had they had some. That was a cool little panel. I mean, I think people learned from you. It's good to hear. That was a good panel, though. The the, the one you were on, it was like real you know people dealing with with real issues right you know on a daily basis which is you guys are you guys are in the the heart you know the the live music business is in the heart of everything that's happening right now you know i've been following you since more or less day one so excited to finally meet you uh wish it was in person yeah we used to send you guys flyers and then uh, yeah, i think no raymond was like what the 
He said, man, you guys got the best flyers. I'm like, yeah, we're trying. That's the only thing we have, but we're trying. So, you know what? It's funny. I want, like, that's a funny thing to talk about. Like, rave flyers, <clears throat> you know, rave flyers are so interesting because they kind of violated, like, everything that you're supposed to know about marketing, which is this, like, keep the message really simple. You know, you know, people have five seconds of attention or whatever. And then I remember back in the day, you'd get these rave flyers. Some of them would fold out into a poster and a full page. And there's all this copy about the DJs or the location or, you know, all, all this stuff. And, and, uh, I always found that so interesting. Maybe it's just cause you had fans that wanted all they could get. Yeah, I mean that's how we uh, that's how we had to communicate with the fans, right? That's how we communicated what we were doing with the people. Sure, uh, definitely had to make it look interesting. Um, it was a whole art form. I mean, we still do them, but it's all online. I mean, yeah. it's definitely a different thing. I I, I kind of missed that part. It was kind of like the, I guess the homage to like the like the seventies, you know, concert posters or when I was a kid. Um, you know, we used to drive around and look. Uh, look on the phone poles to see who was playing um, mm -hmm. that weekend. Mm -hmm. That's how you learn you know, that what was going on, and that's kind of how we uh, were able to uh, to grow as a scene by putting out artwork that people picked up because it was interesting. And sure. you know, you, you know, there was some hyperbole on all those flyers, of course, <laughs> for sure. Of course, yeah. I don't think uh, I don't I don't yeah. Um, you, you know, I never read a rave flyer that had really good, solid, honest uh, information on it. Uh, you know, it was every show was going to be the best one ever. Um, you know, when I started after after my first few ones, I kind of got away from that. You know, and just kind of let basically the um, just let the let people be surprised when they got in there. You know, people used to list every single light fixture they had at, oh, yeah, have sure. at the event, and so yeah, 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 yeah. so. And then I started making fun of people that did that. So that, that seemed more entertaining to me than telling people they were going to get all the stuff kind of right. uh, under promise and over deliver is yeah, what sure. our motto was. No, that's huge. And, and I, I, you know, it's funny you say that because I remember like, you know, out here we had that sound system, uh, 140 dBs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like people would list that on a flyer. And I remember, I remember even thinking about that, you know, it's 20 something years ago, like, like, you know, that's so different than what you see on a rock concert, right? Where it's like, here's right. the band, here's the time, and, and here's where you get tickets, right? And, uh, and this, like, you're, you're promoting your, you know, what sound system, what lighting company you're using, all of that, which, you know, I agree, it can be too much, but I also think it's, you know, what, part of what it was, though, and, and you were a big part of this, was where the promoter and the, and the, the party is becoming the brand, Right. And that's something that other genres of music never really did. Um, you know, maybe not until Coachella. Right. That that. Uh, well, I, I guess some of the big festivals, you know, for sure. But but for the most part, the party wasn't the brand. The, the, the artist performing was what drew people to it. And I think, you know, you guys, especially in the early days, really changed a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, in the early days when I was when I first started doing shows in New Orleans, um, you know, we were just bringing DJs from New York or yeah. we were we were just mimicking what we saw with the flyers we got in the record stores in New York or, or uh, in L.A. Uh, we were just bringing the DJs. Nobody really knew who they were. So 
So, but they just knew they were from out of town. For sure. Um, and because there was no, this is pre internet days and uh, there just wasn't enough information out there. I mean, there, there were, you know, maybe some top DJs were bubbling, but uh, not in the, in the South. They just, people couldn't get that information. So we would just bring no, people from out of town. It was a big and, deal to have, yeah. have somebody from New York so, come down. To New right, York. right, right. Yeah. So they're like, oh, they're from New York. They must be good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, basically that that's where the, the brands were the ones that were drawing people uh, with the artists. And then, you know, the flyer, I mean, we were doing between like some one time we had one as a, you know, uh, the scratch off or, oh, cool. you know, we're using all kinds of different uh, paper, all kinds of different cuts. We were using big ones, little ones. I mean, that's, we just changed it up with the brand. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what, to get people in the door and get that hook. Cause we knew once they came through, once they saw what was going on, we knew they'd probably come back. This episode of rebel radio is brought to you by indeed.com. Man, I love it whenever we get to introduce new advertisers to the show. You know, we've been working hard for five years or more to build a community, to build something that I think is really special. I appreciate all of you, and I appreciate when uh, companies from the outside recognize what we're doing and want to be part of it. Um, if you're not familiar with Indeed, look, you know, it is, I don't have to tell you that 2020 is crazy. Uh, it's crazy keeping a job, finding a job trying to hire people I, you know you might know that I do a little bit of recruiting and um, you know you would think it's an easier time to find great people but it's not there's a, there's a whole bunch of factors keeping us from uh, putting the right people in the right jobs and so you need the right tools indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because it gets you the best people fast it's a tool that I use whenever I have a job to fill unlike other sites it gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring and lots of powerful tools that make the search that much easier to find the right people like sponsored jobs, which um, I guess are like three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. So many job seekers are visiting Indeed every month. It's going to get you the important hire you need. Right now, Indeed is offering Rebel Radio listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. If you're hiring people, speed is... Some people say speed is everything. I think the quality and, and they're up there, but, you know, we're trying to get this done. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com Rebel. That's the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com Rebel. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30. Um, thinking back at the, at the very beginning, uh, well, even maybe before that, do you, do you remember the first record you ever bought? The first record I ever bought? Um, I, oh, well, well, wait. The, <laughs> my first record, I think it was uh, Queen. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it was, but it, it wasn't a record per se. Uh, it was the, um, it was, it had on one side, it had, we will rock you. Yep. And, and the other side was, we are the champions. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, that was like an amazing 45 at the time, you know, you had two, uh, two, so two good songs. For sure. For sure. So, and so were you as a kid, were you just like all about music? Um, I was, I tried to be, I wasn't very musical per uh -huh. se. Uh, I, I tried, I liked, um, uh, I liked 
playing different instruments. I never really took to any, mm-hmm. but I, I like the I like the theory of me. I had a I, you know I went to took trumpet lessons, I took violin lessons, yeah. I took clarinet lessons. I was in the choir. Right. Um, I was in a band in eighth grade. I was a singer, but I couldn't sing. So I mean, I was I, I was I, I liked music, but um, yeah. I wasn't you know it wasn't really my thing to be a, an, an artist. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, and then, um, so you were in New Orleans. How, how'd you get introduced to, to dance music and, and raves or, or probably they were like undergrounds at the time? Yeah, no. So yeah, it was just, it was a, a small scene and, um, I was uh, waiting tables at night and somebody's like, Hey, you want to go to a party and, um, and check it out. And yeah, so I went to my first party it was a small gathering, maybe like a hundred people. Mm. And I was like, Oh wow. You know how I, I had just, uh, I had just come back to New Orleans from school mm. and I'm like, you know, how long has this been going on there? Oh, a couple of years. And I said, well, you know, I didn't, I was wondering why I had never heard about it. So, um, I was like, this is interesting. It was all kinds of different people. Um, you know, uh, all d- different races, uh, you know, straight people, gay people. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like a, a drag Queens. It was a total mix. And I had never seen that group of people, um, you know, all together in one room and, you know, having a good time. So it just, I was just so surprised I hadn't seen this before and it just kind of opened up a, a new door for me. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, man, I could get more people than this. You know, <laughs> I have more friends than this. So I was like, I need to bring, I want to introduce all my friends, anybody that wants to hear, it, I want to bring them into this. Yeah. And uh, just like the first person that brought me to a show, you know, how appreciative I am to them um, that they opened that door for me. And I just wanted to be that person that opened that door for as many people as possible. You know, man, I mean, that's so interesting and I, I don't want to derail us, but, you know, seeing everything that's going on, you know, this week, uh, you know, with, with Black Lives Matter, with George Floyd, and really, you know, really opened up the conversation about race and about how, you know, how separate we are at sometimes. And, you know, but I think back to that, you know, rave community, even just clubbing in general, where, um, where you have people of all, all races, you know, uh, orientations, genders. So, you know, you had rich and poor people, right. And they're united by the music and by the, the, you know, wanting to dance and party. And, um, and, and I think it's interesting for people like us that kind of, you know, grew up in that and that kind of shapes your outlook on life and, you know, cut that against what's happening right now and the discussions we're having. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's weird because that was, uh, that was 26 years ago and it feels like we've been having the same discussions over and over Yeah, and, you know, the same issues keep happening and, you know, it just, it feels like, uh, you know, all these different times that we just, it just, we're net, we have never gotten there for some reason. And hopefully, uh, this, with this, we can take this time and hopefully can actually make a change. Um, you know, because the progress has been too slow. Yeah. Uh, you know, has it changed in the last, uh, 26 years since, you know, since I walked through those doors? Yes, but it's way too slow. For sure. Yeah, and and look, I think, you know, that's also probably part of why music is considered subversive, 
you know, and you, you know that better than anybody. You've been through, you know, the, the backlash of, of, uh, you know, the way that, that governments or establishment wants to paint, uh, you know, music and dance music in particular. Right. And I think, um, I think part of that is that it brings young people together in ways that, that nothing else can. And that seems like a challenge. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, that's changed a lot too. I mean, the, the perception of, um, you know, our music, um, you know, that's changed a lot of the years, but there still is a, a, a negative connotation to it sure. still to this day. Cause even when we, uh, you know, even when we talk to city officials or authorities, it's kind of always like, oh, yeah, we know that crowd or mm-hmm. uh, we know that music. You know, it's like, wait a second. We're we're not troublemakers. We're, we're here. It's real. We're on the radio. We're right. commercial. You know, it's uh, it's part of life. This yeah. isn't this isn't underground. This isn't 20 years ago. This is now. But we're still the the our music is still kind of holds that negative stigma to it. Do you think music still has that kind of, uh, that sort of subversive power, that counterculture? Uh, I mean, I think it's still very powerful. I think it uh, definitely can uh, deliver a a message to a large group of people. Um, You know, maybe they, they, they couldn't get through, uh, maybe they're not going to sit down and read a book. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not going to, uh, you know, uh, read, uh, I mean, uh, you know, watch a, um, an interview with Oprah, but maybe, you know, through music, um, it can kind of disrupt what's going on and, um, you know, basically educate these people and, you know, get them, you know, let them know really what's going on in the world. So, I mean, it's just like a, it's just a tiny bit, but you can really, get a message to music. Not a lot of people are doing it, but there are some. Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's, let's go back to you. Um, you know, one of the things I think is interesting about your business, you promote so many events. Um, and so is there, what makes it a disco Donnie party? Like, is there a signature that you put on it? (laughs) Well, I don't know if I, uh, you know, that's a tough question because what I've always just tried to, when I was in New Orleans, um, you know, I just try to do the, the, I was like the big promoter there. So I just was trying to outdo myself. Right. So I was really only trying to compete against myself and just try to make it better. And, uh, you know, I I would, I didn't want to, I didn't want to ever rest on my laurels, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I just wanted to keep on improving, from show to show. I mean, it always didn't work, but I was, at least I realized that I was trying, um, you know, and, and just one thing I've always tried to inject into, into what I'm doing is some type of, of humor. Um, you know, I think that people take the, everything so seriously, um, you know, back in the old days and they take it very seriously now. So, you know, I just try to make it fun and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because sometimes it doesn't always translate. Uh, but I just always wanted people that I mean, we're there to have fun. We're not there to criticize each other or, right. or, or, you know, bring each other down. Um, it's really, it's about having a good time. And, you know, I'm just trying to let people 
know that. That so that's kind of what what my stamp is. Just fun. So so, what's going on with the business right now? Is, is summer's ending? You you know, I think the last time we spoke, you were about to kick off some of the first events uh, since, since the quarantine. Um, and so what's happening now? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it's been, it's, it's been crazy because, um, when everything got shut down, uh, we started, you know, working on, uh, the, on the drive-in concept. And, you know, as we were working on that around, it wasn't a very easy, um, thing to pull off because a lot of these venues were, uh, kind of the owners were eccentric. Right. They didn't have email. Um, they, uh, you know, they also were very high, uh, very high in demand because they were the only venue in town that could do stuff. So, you know, they were fielding calls from promoters and um, and graduations and birthday parties and anything you can imagine. Uh, churches. So, uh, you know, we we spent a lot of time locking that down um, and then you know trying to convince artists to 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 participate in that and that it was safe. And just as we got started getting the first ones activated, um, they started opening up the bars in uh, Texas and Florida. So, you know, uh, so we took like we announced it, the drive in and we took a, you know, a lot of bad publicity, not a lot of bad publicity. But, um, you know, right now people are are at home and they've got their torches and pitchforks out. So that crowd came after us. Right. So they're. Oh, you drive, you know, you're drive-ins, you're killing people. And, uh, so we, we took all that, that negative hit. We also got some positive, um, comments from people and, uh, and from media, but, you know, so we drove through that and we started doing our driving events and it was actually hard to get people to go because, uh, because the bar down the street had opened up. Right. So, and all the friends hadn't been out in, and three months. So yeah, it was challenging. Um, we kind of knew what was going to happen. So we kept on working on the, on the safe um, play and kept on working on the drive-ins. And so now, now that's what we're doing now, but now we're back to being the only game in town. So we're, we're back to being the villains again. <laughs> so it's like, you can't win. I mean, it's funny. I was thinking about, you know, I was reading this morning about uh, the Raven France that I guess had 10,000 people and now they're, they're uh, you know, they got shut down and now the, the, the promoters are, you know, they're, they're looking for them. Um, I know there's a bunch of that happening in the UK, you know, these underground raves and whatever, you know, and I kind of think like when you started, um, like our, our culture started from illegal parties, right? And from, and it was underground from the beginning and now, you know, it's, it's become mainstream. It's a different ball game, but you know, I'm wondering like, uh, two things. Well, you know, first of all, like, you know, how much does that matter to you? How much do you care if like people are, people outside of the culture are, are, you know, calling you the villains? Well, it's not even the people outside. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're tearing ourselves apart, you know, mm-hmm. so it's people inside the EDM community. And, uh, yeah, listen, there's people, there's, uh, underground parties going on all over the place. And there's people everywhere I go, I see people congregating and, you know, we're, we're trying to provide a, a safe environment, 
for people. Now, do some people break the rules? Do some people take off their mask? Yes. I mean, it's it's nothing's a hundred percent. But you know, this is outdoors in a huge space, and you, you, there's no way to maintain six feet from every single person. But this is the best opportunity and the, and the safest way that people can enjoy themselves. We actually had a uh, a show two weeks ago at a drive-in, and the fire marshal came over and uh, he shut it down. So it, it's it's very reminiscent of the 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 you know the old race. And the reason he shut it down was he said that the the drive-in was illegal. He he misinterpreted the law because the drive-in had been operating, uh, and we'd already done two shows at this drive-in, um, but. It had been operating like the week before they had Blake Shelton concert, right? Yeah. So now, so it just smacks of like everything that the the anti just uh, EDM or anti uh, that crowd type of thing totally discriminated against. Sure. Uh, so it goes right back to where we were in the nineties, and then you have everyone saying, not everyone, but a lot of people, like, you know, just give up. Why would you? I mean, I, why why keep doing them and and. Uh, you know, my answer is that based, I've, I've had parties shut down plenty of times sure. and I just did a party the next week. Yeah. Uh, they shut that one down and I did a party the next week. So uh, I've been through this already before. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it does kind of, it, it, it's kind of similar to what's going on right now, but uh, I don't, I, I see a lot of those underground parties. I see the videos. Um, I don't, I understand why people are doing them, but you know, I definitely don't agree with them. What do you mean? Well, I just, it's just, it's just, you know, it's bad. It's a bad look for the scene. It's a bad look for the city. I mean, there's other ways that you can get together in a, a much safer way. Mm. So I don't think two or 300 people in a, in a house is, uh, is uh, safe for anyone right sure, now. Sure, 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 sure. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what you were just saying, like, Again, our our culture, dance music came from illegal parties and and public health was always given as the reason, right? Whether it was drugs or, you know, uh, uh, buildings that didn't have permits or, you know, whatever it was, right? That's always been what law enforcement and government has used to try to shut down dance music. And it's, you know, it's tempting maybe to think this is different, but, you know, I, I don't know if it's different. Yeah, I mean, I just we're held to a we're just held to a different standard. I mean, that's uh, I've said this before. If uh, you know, if it's a country concert and at the so the, this is you know people were like the, the the country concert at the drive-in. Well, those people are fine. Sure. Okay, now we're doing a rate uh, a DJ at a drive-in. Oh. You know those ravers are gonna do drugs and and get, uh, kill themselves. You know it's like a, right. it's like no matter what you do, everybody's gonna already we're already at disadvantage. And this is coming from our own scene. Yeah, like you know people are gonna uh, do the wrong thing. So um, yeah, I mean look, uh, it's just one of those things. I mean I, it's it's been a negative stigma with the with our scene since I've been in it. Um, some of it's earned. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a lot of it uh, and I think that we should you know we should look forward and not not backward I think a lot more people are a lot more responsible than what we give ourselves credit for I want to talk to you about Fiverr 
You know, for 2020, there's no such thing as business as usual. Every company I know, every company you know, is figuring out new ways of getting things done. We're working remote. Some companies are downsizing. All the events are moving to virtual. Even this show, we used to record every episode face-to-face. Now we're doing video chat, phone chat, et cetera, et cetera. If you own a business, pivoting quickly is hard enough, but finding the right people that you can trust to make it happen, that's the key to success. Fiverr is a great freelancing platform that helps you find talent to build your online presence fast. Whether it's building your first website, designing social graphics, you gotta have the right people and getting the wrong people is disruptive to your business. So Fiverr lets you hire freelancers who have proven track records and clear pricing. You're not in the dark, you're not haggling. It just makes everything easier. Use Fiverr to connect with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services from graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, uh, pretty much anything you need done that can be done remote, which is, as we've learned, is everything uh, you can do on Fiverr. You can work with confidence, knowing exactly what you're paying for upfront. The payments are released to freelancers once you've approved the work. They have 24-7 customer service, so anytime you have an issue, Fiverr is there to help you. Find talent today at Fiverr.com and get 10% off your first order using our code REBELRADIO. All the digital services you need are in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code REBELRADIO. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code REBELRADIO. So, um, you know, I know we've, we've talked a little bit about your history. You know, you, you've been through so much from legal battles um, to, uh, you know, issues with partners, selling your company, buying it back. Um, how, when you think about, you know, what's going on right now, how has all that experience prepared you for what we're going through this year? I guess it just, it, it just got me where I think that, you know, to no matter what happens, no matter what roadblocks in your way, um, just never quit and never give up. And always look into the future. And, you know, if I, I've definitely been through more than most, um, but I definitely think that, you know, it's helped me uh, get to where I am and it's going to help me get to where I'm trying to go in the future. And when I'm talking to my team or someone else, I can be like, oh, I, I've already been through something like this. Sure. And this is how it's, you know, this is how we come out of it. Um, so... I'm hoping you use all those negative experiences and turn them into something positive. Um, are there specific lessons or, or, you know, things that come to mind as, as you're, as you're uh, operating today of something you went through, you know, back in the past? No, I mean, it's the same thing when, uh, when the government came in and, and, uh, and, and shut, shut me down and, uh, and then I kept on trying to do shows and, uh, and basically, uh, eventually I found the path where I got, uh, I did a, I did a Halloween show and they sent the police to the venue and, and told them, told the, uh, the venue a bunch of lies. And so, you know, the, the lady didn't want to go forward with the, with the event, which I understood. I had a contract and everything, but I, I respected her. She was worried about what the cops had told her. Um, and, and, you know, the next week I started a, a weekly at House of Blues. Right. So. Yeah. Amazing. 
So how um how well you know you you were saying like that you know right now things are changing from the drive-ins to the live and kind of some back and forth on that um, especially the drive-ins how how are you how do you make those fun like how are you how do you create an experience that's um, you know better than people sitting at home watching a live stream or whatever yeah I mean I think it's I, and I've learned this from my own personal experience because I kind of I stayed in my house for for three months like and we have friends in the neighborhood and my wife would go see them and i'm like nope i'm not gonna you can break the seal but if i'm in here i'm sitting i'm sitting in here you know so i did everything i was supposed to do and um uh, i have a rental place at the beach and we ended up going there in may and i got there and people were kind of starting to interact with each other uh and I was still apprehensive like the first week. And then I, uh, you know, I hung out with, with a family that had been in quarantine the whole time. And I was like, oh, I'm starting to feel, you know, I was starting to feel, uh, I was starting to feel down. Like I was starting to feel the, the pressure that people were probably feeling at home. Yeah, sure. And the, the anxiety and the stress and the depression. Um, I don't know what it was, but I could see that I was definitely, my personality had changed like in a week's time, I was definitely uh, taking arguing with my, you know, kids, my wife, the dog, whatever. So, um, you know, I, I realized that I needed to get some human interaction. Um, I know it wasn't 100 percent safe, but I, I just I had to have that in my life. And then once I got that, I started feeling better about myself. And then I started inviting some other people out of their cocoons <laughs> and like, and they would come over with the mask on and, and I'm like, you can take off your mask. You know, we're, we're okay. We're outside. Right. Everything's fine. And so I started unlocking other people's lives. And that's kind of what I look like, look at the drive-ins. And I think that it's, uh, you know, people need that in their lives. And I don't think people can stay cooped up inside and they're not going to. Mm-hmm. So I think providing them with something uh, outside of, uh, of just being cooped up or, or trying to go to something illegal uh, is important. And, the, you know, they embraced it. I mean, they basically, they get dressed up. You know, we have like costume contests. We have mask contests. People brought, you know, made their own rails. Mm. Uh, um, you know, so, of course, they're going all out. This is their only event of the summer. And so it's, it's worked out. And, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people ha- have enjoyed them. And I think it might be uh, the only thing going on for a while. So mm-hmm. it's uh, they. I, I think you're going to see a lot more of them, and I think you're going to see a lot more people embracing them. Yeah, I think you're right. And and you know, you said something that uh, sticks with me. That you know, I mean, no, nothing's 100 percent safe, right? You know, going out for a drive is not 100 percent safe. Going to you know uh, a a ball game or whatever, right? There's always, there's always some risk having a friend over, you know, you might catch the flu and people die from the flu, right? Like there's, you know, we take risks every day. We usually don't think about them because they're not on the news or they're not, you know, confronting us in the same way, but uh, there's risk in everything. And, and to your point, you know, there's risk. I think we're all learning. There's risk at staying home by yourself month after month and not having, you know, interaction with other people. Um, and that takes a toll too. So I think it's it's up to all of us to find the right 
you know, the right balance for us individually and for, you know, for our communities, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you need, people need balance. I think they need to make safe decisions. Um, and, but you know, you have to live some semblance of life because if you go on the, the, uh, on what we're going now, I mean, some people will never leave their house. Right. I mean, uh, so I, I mean, I see it. I mean, people are scared in there and I, I understand, but listen, we're all have, we all, we're all adults. We all can see the news. We all know what's going on. And, uh, you know, people just need to make their own decision and, and do it safely. So you don't affect others. So what's been, you know, any, any sort of pleasant surprises since you started, uh, you know, having the parties again? I, I think that, um, you know, the artists that have been able to play them because everybody's kind of, they're in the same boat, right? Because everybody's being attacked online, yeah. um, no matter what, right? So you're, uh, the artists are actually um, scared to to play these events. And the ones that have, you know, taken the leap, um, you know, they haven't all worked out and, and some of it's, they, they get negative uh, comments. But you know, I think a lot of the ones that, have jumped out. I mean, they've been so appreciative and the fans that have gone have been so appreciative. Um, so it's like, we're still delivering. I, I think for the ones that go, the ones that aren't sitting at home and just criticizing, um, what's going on. I think for the ones that go, um, they're going to remember this, that, you know, we were still there fighting for them and, and that, uh, you know, that's going to be somebody that's going to be with us for, for a long time yeah i think that's right um you you have a vibe of like not giving a fuck what other people think um <laughs> but but i but that but i know that can't be true because you wouldn't do what you did if it wasn't like what you do you know what you do is for other people so how do you balance those things i mean listen i i i I care what people think. I listen to what they're saying. Um, I can't make my decisions based on, on, on what they think. But if, you know, I, I do, uh, I, I learned early on. I mean, it was hard when I was young and I started this out. Um, and I mean, the negative criticism is the same as it was. It, 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 it was the same then as it is now. Um, it's just different com- complaints and people can, voice them easier. Sure. Right. So, yeah. um, there it's definitely always been around. I just learned, uh, it used to make me upset and, uh, it used to drive me actually. And, uh, and I still, I see what people are saying and, you know, I throw out all the positive stuff always. Um, and I, I concentrate on the negative and, uh, you know, cause that's really what I see and that's what I want to get better, better at. You know, I take that. I know not all of, it's, all of it's true. I know a lot of it's exaggerated, but that's what I use to kind of help, uh, keep improving. That's so funny. Do you, so you, you say you use that, that, uh, uh, you know, complaints or that, that negative feedback to, to get better. Um, what does that look like now? What do you, what are you getting better at this year? I see people, I mean, uh, I see people are concerned about, 
about their safety. I mean, even in this, the one, the, the, the show that got set, shut down, um, the venue is uh, 420,000 square feet. So at seven square foot per person, um, it's basically over 60,000 people you can put in the venue. And uh, we sold 2,500 tickets. Wow. Um, but, and, but people were still complaining that they weren't socially distanced, mm-hmm. right? So, are you guys um, are you involved in Rave the Vote? Yes, yes. So, so with that though, how how do you decide what causes to to get involved in? I mean, that's you know, talk about something that gets people mad at you, right? It's kind of like no matter what you do. Um, yeah, I mean, on the vote thing, we don't tell people who to vote for. Sure, we're just telling them to register. Yeah. Um, you know, so we try to stay out of that part of thing because I know from what I see uh, online and in my life, uh, it, when one side takes starts talking, the other side stops listening. Yeah. So, and it, that goes both ways. So I don't think that uh, uh, I don't think we're here to tell people what's right or what's wrong. I mean, I have my own personal opinion, but uh, who wants to? I don't think that uh, somebody needs to hear like who to vote for from a rave promoter. Um, So uh, yeah. So, you know, we get in that, we get involved with a lot of uh, stuff like in local communities that we're doing um, festivals at. So they know we're not since, uh, you know, we don't not necessarily sit there from that area. Uh, You know, they were helping out causes there. Um, A lot of look work with a lot of uh, children's, um, things that's the kind of stuff we look look for nice. stuff you know like stuff that the venues support mm-hmm. they you know other charities mm-hmm. uh i know for after hurricane harvey in houston i think we raised like 200 grand i mean a lot of that came from the artists and stuff uh, for in houston so um yeah we're you know we're always trying to to do something i mean and we can always you know, it's never enough so you know we always can do more yeah um you were talking about uh you know you, you get shut down you do another one you kind of uh you know i think you're very in the moment in, in terms of how how your business is um and obviously we've seen you you know making a bunch of pivots this year um you know how do you with what we were just talking about as far as uh you know what the future of the business looks like on the other side of pandemic or whatever are there you know how, how do you balance that with kind of making moves for um having a better business in the long term well i mean it, it's difficult right now i mean my my promoter instinct is always to to take risk and i think that's why we were almost uh we were on the electronic music side we were first to market on the drive-in because i had control of the company yeah. And, you know, I was able to, with all the, uh, all the I's weren't dotted and all the T's weren't crossed, you know, like we had the contracts on the venue, but maybe it wasn't signed or, right. uh, I was able to get it up first and, uh, and be first to market because I'm independent again. And, and I was trusting my like independent roots and my instincts that, um, you know, that we were going to figure it out. Um, so you know, it, it's hard because, uh, you know, I wanted to go, 
I wanted to go big in, in 2021. And, you know, I wanted to finish 2020 strong and go big in 2021 and kind of expand what I was doing. Um, I was also talking about with other groups um, about uh, whether partnering with them or acquiring them in some manner to help stabilize some kind of distressed properties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everything's, on the, everything's kind of on the table now um, and uh, off the table. Well, I mean, I don't know, on, off. It's on and off the table. And uh, it's on the floor. Yeah. So it's my 20s on the floor. So, no, I mean, I just, I just don't know. I mean, that, you know, I mean, I, I see the numbers getting better. Uh, when I'm looking at the, the raw data and then uh, I turn on CNN and they're saying it's worse. And right. uh, you know, so I, I, I just don't even know. And then somebody, the, the states are drop. you know, they'll dump like three months worth of stuff on one day. So it's just really hard to fi- follow and try to figure out uh, what's the path. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that's crazy. Um, I want to talk about something that we, we didn't talk about last time, but you, um, you know, a lot of your events are in, in smaller markets, uh, or at least not the, you know, New York, LA, um, you know, and, and that, to me, that's always like a really interesting strategy is to go after markets that might be, you know, in some ways overlooked. Um, is that, is that on purpose? And, and tell me the, the ups and downs of operating a business that way. Yeah. I mean, I went, the, the original concept was that, uh, uh, when building out the routing and the, and the company was that I was going into markets where, uh, where nobody was doing anything or I was going into a market and working with the, the, you know, the local promoter, um, and, you know, normally in a market like, uh, so there was the, there was a, it was a low barrier to entry, right? So, um, you know, in a market like Nashville or something, maybe they had like a one or two promoters, a smaller size or, or one big one and a couple of smaller ones. You know, when you go into a market like LA, uh, you know, you're dealing with, uh, it's like the mafia, right? Sure. So, like four or five different families, and then you have all these uh, junior mafia, you know, what mafia wannabes. So, right. you know, like there's a lot more effort in doing that. So, I just basically thought that if I took the all the smaller markets first and just kind of surrounded the larger markets, eventually, um, you know, that would be the door into the to, to larger markets. Is that, that was the original. So, and is, is that a, is that a good strategy? If I'm starting a business today, is that was, how you would advise me? I, well, I, I don't know if I would advise you on that, but um, I mean, I actually did, you know, I got into almost, I've, I've, you know, I got into LA and New York and, uh, and Seattle and, you know, I've done shows in San Francisco, Miami, Chicago. So I've done it all as again, it's, uh, it's basically it's a lot more difficult to deal with a mafia boss than a uh, uh, one of the soldiers. Sure, it's easier to deal with the soldiers in the other markets. So. That's right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think 
I always feel like, you know, whatever business you're in, you know, play, play the game you can win, play in a market where you can win. And, and that, you know, that allows you to grow from a position of strength. And, you know, I yeah. think being the, being the 30th largest promoter in LA is probably not, you know, you don't have any leverage. Right. Well, I mean, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, and the effort you have to put in to, to compete against the largest promoter, it's just not even that, that it's just not worth the squeeze. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I learned that, uh, early on. So I like it. Um, so close us out, man. Uh, I know it's been a crazy ass year. Um, how, how, how are you, how are you keeping it fun? Fun. Um, I mean, I'm trying to act like everything's normal and just trying to, to, to keep it all together. Um, and so, but there's not a lot of normal things going on right now. Sure. Um, I, I was able to be at the beach for three months. Uh, so that really, uh, that, that definitely helped my mental health and, uh, and where I was at, I was able to go to, um, the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, like a vacation, so that I was able to get away from here. Nice. So, you know, I'm in a good place right now, uh, but you have to check back next week because <laughs> uh, who knows? I mean, who knows what's going on? But I'm just trying to look on the bright side and and you know just hope for the future that that we can we can get through this and, and you know start getting back to some type of uh, normal lives. I mean, everything's going to be different. Um, but you know, just to have the opportunity to help build that out again, uh, that's what's kind of keeping me going. Yeah. I like that. Um, you know, just thinking about that and I know we were talking about earlier, you know, you know, you've survived a lot of things, but you know, I'm sure you also have staff in your, in your local markets, you know, people that run things on the ground. Um, What's it like leading those people and, and, you know, how, how are they surprising you or, or what, what are you doing to kind of keep them, uh, sane, if you will? Yeah. I mean, we're, that's where the, like the drive-ins come and we have our, we have our, my, my team, um, which I've been able to hold on to everyone. Um, uh, and, uh, then we have our partners and then we're trying to do live streams or it's a, each one's different, right? Some, some of them, are uh, disinterested in anything and are just totally checked out. Mm. Some of them are interested in the live stream. Some of them are interested in the drive-ins. Um, so we're just giving them all the options. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think with what we did with our guys is basically said, Hey, you know, we can pay you 50% and, uh, you know, if you need, if you need help, let us know. Right. So I'm trying to give people security. It's kind of month to month right now. Sure. Um, but, you know, just trying to give the people that work with us some security of, uh, of what's going on. So they're not worried about it all the time. And, uh, you know, so they can, we're trying to get people back to being creative. Yeah. Uh, it's just with the, with the position everybody's back in. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good leadership, right? Like you, you know, I think you, uh, you know, as, as a, leader like you you want to have everything figured out and tell people you know here's what it is and all that and now we're in the situation where you know things are so unpredictable 
um, that I think that sort of transparency of like, well, here's what we can do, but let's talk, you know, is, right. is, uh, that's an important shift. Yeah. I've been a little pie in the sky the whole time. I, I went from like super negative before all the shit shut down, like yeah. telling people, Oh, the world's going to end. And then whenever I, everything shut down, then I went back to, uh, okay, it's gonna be okay. We're going to make it through this. Uh, we can do this. So, uh, it, it changes week to week. Do you do um, you manage that, like those feelings in your side yourself? Do you manage those on purpose, or does or does it just like whatever hits you comes out of your mouth? I, yeah, whatever comes out of mouth, I think. So I don't think it's a plan. I try to talk to. We try to have like a, a whole team call, like every two or three weeks, to yeah. kind of update everybody going on, and and uh, so everybody can figure out because everybody's worried. They're worried about what's going on, but they're also worried about uh, what's going on with themselves. Yeah, and of I'm just trying to give them comfort. And not that I know shit. I'm like, oh, the numbers are looking better. Hospitalizations are down in uh, 17 states, and and you know, so uh, <laughs> you know, at, they're probably like, yeah, whatever, fuck you. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I'm just trying to to look on the bright side and uh, and just in, and try to give them the the positive thoughts. Yeah. That's cool, man. I think that goes a long way. I believe it's it's just as hard to run a small business as it is a big business. And I might, that might be a little generalization. But I think what I mean is like, and you said something on our summit that I thought was really important that... Um, you know, I forget the question, but you said something like, you know, we, we do a thousand shows a year. So, you know, we spread the risk, right? Any one show is not going to make or break us. Um, and for a lot of promoters right now, that's not the case, right? That they, they're that, that one cancellation may put them out of business. Right. And, and I think like in every business, the only real, insulation we have from that type of uh, risk is by being big enough to weather it. Right. And we, and we see that right now with, you know, the big chain restaurants are going to take a little hit, but they're going to be fine. And the mom and pops, you know, half of them will probably go out of business. Um, was there a point where you where that shifted for you? Cause now you've built a big business or, or multiple times a, a big business and you started out kind of running a small business. Well, yeah, no, it was, I did it out of necessity, right? It wasn't any kind of like master plan or, uh, or a book, you know, Ray promoted for dummies or anything, but, um, <laughs> you should you know, write the, that. I, yeah, well, yeah, I, I would, I could do that one. Um, so, but no, I mean, it was basically, you know, I got into it doing small events and as they got, they grew and grew and got bigger, I got away from the small events. And then when the market crashed in, uh, 2001, the whole dance scene went from, you know, the top of the mountain to the, to the bottom. And I just had to reinvent it and I had to start small again. And that still wasn't enough, you know, to be doing small shows, uh, in one market. And so then I started stringing together other markets and then I started making connectors with like, if you're going to fly to, to Cleveland, you might as well play Columbus. And if you're going to play in Columbus and Cleveland, you might as well play Cincinnati. So, you know, I was just doing it on necessity and to survive. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't easy. I mean, it was a really t- – if you look at the scene now, 
and you go back 2002, three, four, five, six. I mean, there was very lean years. Yeah, um, there sure. was times it was basically, uh, you know, my, my wife was had a, you know, we had a kid, a kid and another one on the way. And my wife's like, you need to get a job. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I told her I had a job. Um, so <laughs> it, it didn't seem like it to her, but, right. um, so, uh, talk about, so you, you mentioned, you know, selling the company to SFX and I know you were a big part of building that company. Um, and then recently you just bought it back. Right. Um, can you, can you talk about those decisions, the decision to sell and then the decision to buy back and like, um, you know, how, how, how'd you go through that internally? Well, I mean, the decision to sell was pretty easy uh, because I had been, it, I had, it was kind of the right time, right place mm-hmm. thing. I had been working with Pasqual and, uh, you know, I had rolled my company into uh, the Insomniac brand. So I really didn't have a brand and we came to a point of where, uh, you know, for, for what, for one reason or another that, you know, I, I found out that I didn't own any of the Insomniac brand. Right. And so that was kind of a re- reaction. So I just spun out my assets um, back into a, a new a new old company mm-hmm. and literally within uh, I guess we'll see literally within two months to 60 days of having that conversation with Pasquale uh, I had a deal to, to sell the new company so you know it was kind of a shock to uh, put all my effort and and time and my team into building a brand and then you know, finding out that uh, I wasn't, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to be, it wasn't like that I didn't own anything. Yeah, of course. So, of course. you know, it, it was, uh, it was great for me. I mean, it was a great deal. I would, I would do it again. Uh, and uh, if somebody, if somebody's looking for somebody, um, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was just perfect timing. And, yeah. and you know, cause I hadn't saved, uh, like I said, I had the kids and, all the money was going into the next show, the next show, and there's no time to, and the scene was growing. You know, one year you're doing show, you know, your, your business brought in 5 million next year, it's 10 and next year it's 15, but there's no money coming out. Right. It's just, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you grow a business without capital? Yeah. And, uh, and so and there's, you take losses. It's not all, it's not all ups. Mm-hmm. So it was a perfect scenario for me. And, uh, yeah, I was able to finally give my family some security. Mm -hmm. And I was also able to take care of, uh, I was able to introduce a lot of other promoters that had been doing it for a long time and that didn't have any security and they were able to take some money off the table. And yeah, so, I mean, it was a good feeling to get done. Um, you know, I would do it differently if I had to do it over again, that would retain more control of the overall, Mm -hmm company mm-hmm. but yeah it was a it was an experience a good experience a bad experience sure. a, a learning experience but you know what it was was an experience and i just i knew i had seen all the other companies all the other i guess basically principal owners that had sold their company i had watched through the t- t- eight year time that i watched them all leave mm-hmm. yeah and whether they 
had, you know, had gotten too much money or had lost interest or didn't like how the company was going. Oh, there's a multitude of reasons, but right. a lot of people left. It was a serious brain drain on the company. And my goal was to just keep my head down, uh, keep trying to, you know, keep doing good stuff. And, you know, hopefully one day, uh, I would have the opportunity to uh, buy buy my name back. Mm. And so it was kind of a story of, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to explain to people why I just didn't leave, sit out a year and just start over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just knew if I just waited for the right time that eventually uh, I would have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. you're enjoying this one and you want more disco donnie uh donnie recently spoke at our amp music summit uh it's a uh, virtual music conference that i co-founded earlier this year at the beginning of of uh, quarantine and um donnie's on a panel talking about what's happening with music festivals uh some of that's changed but some of it very much hasn't festivals are still uh, in a lot of jeopardy they're still figuring it out some people like Donnie are still innovating and it's, it's a great panel discussion. Go to ampmusicsummit.com if you want to check that one out. And we have videos from um, our other, we've done two summits so far. I think there's 30 videos in total, something like that, 30 talks. Lots of stuff there if you want to get up on the latest of what's happening in and around the music industry. Ampmusicsummit.com. So, you know, kids starting out today promoting shows, what do you want them to learn from you? Wow. I mean, I don't know, because I think there's a real, if you would have come to me 20 something years ago, I just, there, I don't think there was like a a lane, right? There was, you had the big promoter and then you had a a bunch of little promoters. I just feel now there's like a, there's a real niche or that people can make their own niche. Mm -hmm. Let me rephrase that. Like, uh, I hope people just learn that I didn't know anything. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Nobody taught me. I just learned, I I learned for myself, you know, and I started at the bottom. I was passing out flyers, Mm -hmm. you know, people weren't even paying me. I was doing it for free. Yeah, sure. I was just helping people out. And, and, uh, you know, I loaded in speakers. I worked the front door. I, uh, you know, I did it all. I, I worked every position so I understand what, what people were doing. And uh, I just hope people learn that if you did that, you know, if you try really hard and you stick with it and you love it and you really believe in it, that you can be successful. You know, and it's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of people closing doors in your face. But uh, if you just if you stick with it and uh, like I said, and, and put the time and the effort in and the love. It, it could come back to you. And I, I, I do see, I've seen in the last, I've seen people be able to carve out their own identity that wasn't uh, an insomniac or wasn't an ultra or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've seen promoters all around the country be able to carve out their own identity and be successful. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the opportunity is there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I saw a quote somewhere you, you describe yourself as a master of living in the moment 
Um, I said that. Well, <laughs> uh, I was I was probably drinking. Yeah, it could be. Um, well, that's what I was going to ask. Is that is that is that an accurate way to describe you? And and how do you do that? Or or maybe I mean, how do I do that? I I, uh, I think about things a lot, but I basically um, I just kind of go with the flow. You know, I, I don't worry about stuff. Uh, too much right so you can only do what you control so i always just believe why i i believe more in like personal co- uh, conversation mm-hmm. uh, I, i'd rather talk to somebody one-on-one than write them an uh an email or uh or when people do interviews you know i never want to I don't ever want to do like the written questionnaire, like right. where the, right, right, where the right. publicist types it out and you edit it and stuff. Uh, I, I always like to do the phone interview. It, it, I, I come off like a dumbass, but it was me, you know? So that's, yeah. that's what I sound like, unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I'll read it. I'm Jesus Christ. I should have, uh, I've got to give a uh, money to charity for every time I said, <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, uh, so, but it, th- that's real. And, and I think that's more authentic and, uh, hopefully people see that instead of like some processed, uh, person that comes through, uh, that I see with a lot of other you know, people in this industry. Yeah. How, how are you able to keep it light kind of with seeing everything going on around us right now? It's hard um, I, it's, it's definitely, um, stressful. Um, and I just, I know I have like a, a, a large group of people that like my family and I, my team and stuff like that. And what I'm trying to show them is I'm always trying to show them strength, right? That yeah. everything's going to be okay. And that, uh, look, I know it looks bad and it is bad, but if you look at history, you know, we've, we've been through, we've been through bad stuff before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the end, we also, our country, no matter how bad it's been, we always, we correct it eventually. For sure. Um, you know, we're not, we used to burn, uh, which is at the stake. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds crazy. No, but we did that. Right. So it, if you look back at it now, yeah. I mean, so uh, it's just like, I just try to tell people that, you know, we just have to keep working through this and in the end, we'll get to the right point. Mm-hmm. It might take a lot of time, uh, but we'll get there. No, I think that's so valuable and it's especially hard, for, I think, for, for young people who haven't seen a lot of the crazy shit in our history or haven't lived it um, to develop that perspective and I mean, I even I was I had a conversation with my mom the other day because she's like, you know, it's really hard to feel optimistic about the future. And I was like, yeah, of course it is. But let's think of all the shit that we've overcome as as, you know, in humanity or in this country or whatever. And um, you realize that this is just another one. Yeah, I hope I hope. I mean, that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to, per, you know, portray that. But. For sure. Uh, no, we never, we don't know, but no, of course we, yeah, of we've course. been some, through some bad stuff. So uh, absolutely. All right. Well, um, in the interest of keeping it light, let me, uh, let me get to, uh, let me do a little lightning round before I let you go. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? Uh, 
Oh, shit. Favorite city. Sorry, somebody's. I hope Joe's calling. Okay. The favorite city. Damn. I don't what Lightning round. I'm not good at lightning round. New Orleans. <laughs> New shit, Orleans. That's where I'm from. Yeah. God, why am I so stupid? It's one okay, of my let's favorite go. cities, give me some, too. I love Give me too. something easy. Like, don't ask me, like, where's my birthplace? Because then I could have said New Orleans and my favorite city. <laughs> okay, let's go. Start over. Let's go. New lightning round. This is going to be the... The slow lightning. I hate to tell you, the next one is not easier. Who's your favorite DJ? My favorite DJ, um, I would say, if you had if you had to put a gun to my head, I would say Derek Carter. Yeah. Uh, what's the last great book you read? The last great book I read, I don't know if it's called a great book. But it's uh, I read the Howard Stern interview book. Oh yeah, it was it was great to me. But that's the last book I read. I mean, he's he's great. He's a great interviewer. Um, yeah. What movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? The most movie, Blazing Saddles. Oh shit! I love that. Movie. <laughs> this is gonna be like these are all references that nobody that listens to this <laughs> is gonna. It's like. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, I remember the Roaring Twenties. This old guy, Blazing Saddles. Nah, man. Check it every, out. Everybody it's listening, to- if they haven't, should watch Blazing Saddles. Incredible movie. It's totally inappropriate, but sure. you know, it's yeah, absolutely. So, um, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one quality or ability, what would it be? If I, one quality, uh, I wish I could see the future. Mm. Um, yeah, so. And the other one would be and uh, know what people were thinking. So <laughs> <laughs> if I just had those two, yeah, I would uh, yeah, I could be, I could be good. That's for could sure. make some money. Um, lastly, if I worked for you, if I worked for Disco Donnie Presents, what's something I would hear you say over and over? You would hear me say, somebody do something. Because <laughs> 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 I'm always joking with them that I have to do everything. So yeah. that's just kind of like... Um, that's the, my motivator, nice. my motivating speech. Nice. That's dope. Hey, well, so talk about what's coming up. Um, I know you just had the, the road rave, uh, drive in and I know you got, uh, I know you have shows happening, which, um, interested to see how that plays out. What, what's, what does it look like? Yeah. I mean, we're pushing some stuff back because of everything that's going on, but, um, we, uh, we just did a, uh, an event in Houston at a drive-in. It was it was a big learning curve, but yeah. uh, it was very successful and people enjoyed it. Nice. I think we might be able to do, you know, we'll do more there. And uh, we have one, you know, we have a couple on sale in, in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Orlando one, which is sold out. Uh, we have one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, we're working on like three or four other cities that uh, right now. So... Um, just the timelines are different everywhere because, uh, as we're, we've been getting these up also, there are, um, you know, they're basically, the rules are changing everywhere we go. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm in a lot of red States and they're, they're opening up faster than we can. We can't even keep up with them. Right. right so right, it's right. Like, Oh, 25%, 50%, 75, hundred, 150%. Um, so, uh, it's kind of hard to do a drive in, uh, when the all the bars and restaurants are going to be open 100 percent right yeah of course that wasn't the concept the concept was 
nobody leaving their house right. and then you have to come to the drive-in. So, sure. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. But it sounds like I know there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, whether people will go, you know, if they have the option. It sounds like what you're seeing is people want it. Everywhere I've seen where they, yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a complicated situation because remember when they opened the beaches in Florida and the whole country laughed at, oh, look at yeah. Florida, you dummies, you know. And every time they open a beach somewhere, mm-hmm. sure. then everybody goes to the beach and then the whole rest of the country laughs at them yeah. online. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not sure if people are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if people are going to go out, some people are going to stay in. Mm-hmm. All I know is whenever they open something up, everybody goes. Right. So unless, of course, you're locked in your house and then you stay at home and you know, <laughs> make fun of those people. Exactly. So, right. So, I mean, you there's there's two different people but i'm looking at the beach right now and it's packed so yeah i don't doubt it i don't doubt it um cool Uh, well how should people follow you or uh or find out what you have going on uh at real disco donnie that's on twitter and uh instagram dope well man i appreciate everything you're doing uh it's definitely been fun watching it from afar and i think we we all have a lot to learn from you and uh, you know what you what you brought to the scene and the business and the culture. It's all good stuff. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, I appreciate you. All right, man. Thank all you. Right, bye bye. That was Disco Donnie on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, leave us a comment. Hit us on Twitter, Facebook. And that's it. Twitter or Facebook. Uh, it's at Rebel Radio Net. You can always leave a review of our iTunes if you want to. Throw some stars our way. Uh, And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.